And suddenly my father remembered how he was threatened by the leaders uh, of the factory he was working in. And basically they were telling him, if you don't become a communist, your children won't gain university education. And my father resisted, but he said, uh, if Velvet Revolution didn't happen, I am not sure if I would be able to resist anymore. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Ronnie Stevenson for Byron Tyler. I've been the associate pastor at Harvest Church Memphis for a while now, and usually I'm on the other side of the mic, but Byron asked me to pinch hit today as he's recovering, and he'll be back with us soon. We'll look forward to his return, me especially. Obviously, the eyes of the world are turned on uh, Russia and Ukraine at this moment, just through God's providence, we have two guests here in Memphis today from that part of the world, two young women who are now in Christian ministry, but they grew up in communist vassal states to the former Soviet Union in Eastern Europe. And we want to do two things. They have made it very plain that they're not political analysts. They're not eager to pronounce on political subjects. We're basically going to talk about the gospel in that part of the world. We're going to talk about ministry. But because of the season we're in, we will talk a little bit about the situation and the confrontation between Russia and Ukraine. My two guests are, we're going to stick to first names, Katka, who is from the Czech Republic, and Gabriela, who is from Slovakia. Many of our listeners will know that there used to be a country called Czechoslovakia. Slovakia seceded. It was a bloodless revolution. It was called the Velvet Revolution soon after the Iron Curtain fell. So now we have the Czech Republic made up of the two former regions in, the, in Czechoslovakia, Bohemia and Moravia, with Slovakia forming a brand new nation to the south. I was actually connected to this ministry in Iron Curtain days. I met their representatives in Poland. We were meeting in secret at the end of 1987. And then in 1988, we met in secret again in Brno, Moravia, Czechoslovakia. We met um, with drawn blinds, and we uh, spoke in low voices. And we're rejoicing now in uh, over 30 years of, of freedom in that part of the world. What I want to do is introduce my guests, let them tell you a little bit about where they live, what they do in ministry, and also if they would share a memory of uh, as children growing up in, in a communist state and how things have changed. Obviously, there have been uh, tremendous changes, and they can choose which one they want to talk about. And we'll begin with Katka, who lives in Prague. Thank you very much, Rani. Uh, I'm very uh, glad to be here and to be able to talk about these things. Uh, well, when I was a child, uh, I obviously didn't realize that I was living uh, in communist era. And as for as my family, uh, we had enough of everything, I would say. Uh, I remember that we owned an old car, we could travel. Of course, we couldn't travel abroad. I remember vividly our first trip to Yugoslavia, and we traveled to just spend some time at the sea, and it was hilarious for us children because we could see 
uh, other country and we could also see some things we didn't have in our country. Uh, different kinds of clothes, different kinds of food. Uh, so I don't remember being desperate uh, or something like that. But I remember that uh, because Velvet Revolution happened when I was 14, and I remember that uh, as we were getting closer to the revolution, my parents started to talk about politics more at home because before I hadn't experienced them talking about politics at all. And suddenly my father remembered how he was threatened by the leaders uh, of the factory he was working in. And basically they were telling him, if you don't become a communist, your children won't gain university education. And my father resisted, but he said, uh, if Velvet Revolution didn't happen, I am not sure if I would be able to resist anymore because I, I really felt under pressure. Thank you. Gabriella. I was very, very little. I was, uh, I just turned seven when the Velvet Revolution took place. So I don't remember a whole lot. I just remember that everything was the same. Like everyone had the same car or pretty much the same car. All the kids had the same t-shirts. All the moms had the same coats. And so we treasured anything that would be a little bit different when somebody traveled from, let's say, Germany, even Eastern Germany, and they would bring, for example, a can of Coke we would treasure it and we would put it into cupboards as if on display to have something very special. So anything different um, that is now considered normal, we would consider a treasure. So these are my memories of communism. And as I said, I was really small, so I don't remember a lot. I grew up in a village which was more quiet. Uh, and so people didn't really talk about the politics. And my parents and my grandparents, they lived a peaceful life uh, in the countryside. Um, but you actually asked us, what do we do? And we work with a ministry called In Life. And we do evangelism of the non-believing students uh, in the Czech Republic and in Slovakia at campuses or at the dorms and um, we do evangelism then when the students come to Christ we desire to disciple them and to teach them how to make other disciples uh, basically we do leadership development so this is what we do and we love doing it we both love doing it we have uh, 24 other colleagues that are on staff and we just love working with the young people and we're going to talk more about ministry in just a few minutes. I realize that not every Czech and not every Slovak have the same opinion, and we are very aware of the fact that you're not political commentators, much less political forecasters. But what's the general feeling among your countrymen at this moment with the Russian invasion of Ukraine? Do they feel it's an isolated, never-to-be-repeated situation, or are they fearful that it's the forerunner of a new expansion of, of Russian power eastward, and there would be other countries in the former satellite nations in the target zone of Vladimir Putin. Each of you comment on that. We'll let Gabi go first. Yes, thank you for a good question. And yeah, I don't feel an, as an expert on this matter. And actually, we've been in the States uh, with Katka for uh, almost two weeks now. So 
the war started while we were in the States. So what I am going to share is just my observation, what I can see and hear from my friends or what they forward to me from Ukrainian pastors or other Christians. I think that Putin, even though I believe, I hope I can say it on the radio, that he's evil, but he's smart. Ukraine is not in NATO and it's not in the EU. And I believe that he thinks that he can invade Ukraine. But I think at the same time, he's smart enough not to invade a NATO country. Because as soon as he would touch Poland or Slovakia or Hungary, which are the bordering countries to Ukraine, the other allies from NATO would come to help. And I don't think he would dare to do that. So I don't sense... um, panic or chaos from the Slovak nation, from either the government or the ordinary people. They are very supportive. They uh, responded really quickly. There have been volunteers and also charities coming to the borders with Ukraine, helping the refugees with um, like clothes, food, diapers for the babies, uh, accommodation, translation, legal help. So they are very supportive, and I know this is going on. The same things uh, are happening in Poland, which is, as I said, the other bordering country. So I don't see maybe, of course, some individuals might fear from Slovakia, but as a whole, as as the society, we are helping them. Uh, And maybe we do fear, but we are overcoming the fear and... uh, not paying attention to it, but paying attention to how we can help them right now. So that's my feeling. Kaka, you can uh, either add to that or you can go right into telling us how you first heard the gospel and how you responded and about your other family members. If you'd like to add something to the political commentary, please do. But you're off the hook if you want to switch it to how you came to know Jesus. Thank you, thank you. I would just add that uh, my impression uh, is that the Czech Republic is divided into two halves. We could see this while we had the last presidential election, that maybe first half is more pro-Russian or indifferent, and the second half is pro-democratic and pro-Western. So I would say that now this first half they feel that nothing bad happened. And the second half, these people really want to help. They really want to build up uh, democracy. Yeah, so maybe I can see this in, in the Czech Republic. And thank you for uh, for your question about how I became a Christian. I come from a non-Christian home, and my parents, they I would say they always believed in something above. But I had a grandma who went to Catholic Church, and she basically introduced me to the concept of God. And from my childhood, as far as I remember, I believed that there was God. I really believed that God had power. He could do something about my life. But it was not sooner than at secondary school when I started to think uh, about God in connection with my heart. Now I would say sin at that time. I would just name individual issues like anger or fear of death or uh, comparing myself with others. And I could see that my heart was not clean, even if people around me were telling me, you are a good girl and you behave uh, in a nice way to others. But there is something in my heart I just can't cope with. And there was also this empty place in my heart. 
and I really felt uh, I needed answers uh, for my questions about meaning of life and what will be after death. And nobody could give me answers for this. I started to go to Catholic Church, and I was really sincere about uh, looking for God. I uh, got baptized, and I tried to be good Catholic, I would say, but it didn't help to fulfill this empty place in my heart. So finally, I quit uh, going to this local Catholic church. And then uh, after my secondary school, I started to study graphic school. And uh, in my class, uh, there was a girl who was very different from everyone I had known before. She was brave. She was full of love uh, to others. She was able to sacrifice for others in order that they could uh, have the best. She became my friend, uh, basically my first true friend. Uh, and she was able to listen to me for hours. I was telling her my life story, my fears, my joys. And she replied with the gospel. She just kept telling me, God loves you, and you can come to God through Jesus. But for me, it was like a riddle or like a mystery. But then I went to study university, and uh, when I was a freshman, there was again one girl in my classroom, and she invited me for a student Christian meeting. And at that meeting, everyone was sharing how they came to know Christ personally. When I was leaving the meeting, there was another girl who asked me, a believer, are you Christian, or, or what are you? <laughs> and I said, you know, I don't know, <laughs> because I had heard so many things. I had been around Christians for so long, but I don't have this in my heart what you have, and I really long to have it. And that night, this girl just uh, ex ex explained me the gospel in a very simple way. She used a little booklet for spiritual laws, and she basically showed me, you can have Jesus on the throne of your life. And that night, I prayed to Jesus and I invited him to my heart. I just led him to have the throne of my life. And... Um, that night I, I became a Christian. And, but what was important for me was that the next morning, because I stayed overnight in her apartment, even if she was a complete stranger to me, but God allowed it, that morning at the breakfast in her apartment, she asked me, so now uh, if you died and God would ask you, why should I let you enter heaven, what would you reply? And I said, because Jesus promised that when I believe in him, I will have eternal life. And I just found myself believing it. And before, I would have replied, because I am a good person and I try hard. So this was a big difference for me. And it was as if before, my heart was like wavy, stormy sea. And suddenly, I had this peace in my heart. And I just uh, knew I was God's child. Because this girl offered me to meet and to study the Bible together, I immediately started to... Um, just know how to live with God. And this was also something I really appreciated uh, because I basically could become a disciple of Jesus. Fabulous. I'm trying not to get emotional, but it's not working. <laughs> Gabi will ask you the same see. question, how you came to know Christ. Yeah, I could see the tears in your eyes, <laughs> and it got me a little teary. <laughs> 
Yes, thank you for the question. I come from a nominally Catholic family. So as far as I remember, I believed in God's existence. But I imagined God as a cruel, uh, really harsh judge who is just watching me. And if I sin, he finds pleasure uh, getting angry with me and punishing me. This this was my view of God. And when I was uh, 12, I started thinking about what I believe more. And when I was 13 through a friend of mine, I came to this softball or baseball camp that was organized uh, by Americans. And I didn't know, and my friend didn't know that they were Christians. And it was a day camp. uh, So during the day, we played softball. And during the, the evenings, they were inviting us to come to the church. So at the end of the camp, I decided to come to the worship service, but my motivations were not spiritual at all. It was because I liked one boy there, and so I came. But uh, as soon as I entered the room, I still remember, even even though this was many, many years ago, I still remember the atmosphere. Uh, It was full of love, full of acceptance, and uh, there was something I could not describe. Now I know that it was the Holy Spirit. And something, or at that time I I thought it's something, but it was actually God just uh, pulling me closer to Him. And it was the first time when I actually held a Bible in my hands. That was the first time I uh, heard the Gospel. And I started reading the Bible in my bed under the covers with flashlights because I was afraid what my parents would say if suddenly, you know, they found uh, me reading the Bible. But I was just so interested and so curious about what what, um, Bible says. And what was really life-changing for me was to realize that God loves me. That was very, very crucial for me, that he's not this distant father and harsh father, cruel father but that he is a loving, a loving father. I knew the gospel. I understood it uh, intellectually for qu- quite quickly. I, I came to understand it. And I was praying probably every day. I was reading my Bible every day. I was going to church and talking to Christians every day. And they were amazing in being patient with me and explaining uh, the questions that I had. But it was not until I was 17 and I was in my room. I was reading First John. It was the first time that the Spirit really convicted me of my sin. I knew that I it was difficult for me to love people, but it was the first time that I actually started to mind my sin, that I was displeased as if with my sin and I was sorry about my sin and that was the first time that I realized that I only as if added some good things or good activities to my life like reading the Bible and praying but I never had repented of my sin before and I never humbled myself before the Lord before and so that was the the day when I surrendered my life to him And it was really interesting uh, to see uh, the change uh, when I realized that when God forgave me everything from my past and everything from the future, what right do I have not to forgive and not to love others that have hurt me? And I like to say that this was just the beginning and it was an important beginning, but what really was very important and crucial in my life was also discipleship, that when person comes to Christ, that's amazing. But then I believe that every Christian, every child of God should grow into maturity in Christ and maturity in our faith, 
maturity in the knowledge of God and maturity of the fullness of Christ in us, which is basically walking by the Spirit and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. I have experienced in my life that discipleship is the best tool, God-given tool, uh, how we can grow spiritually. So I want to say that, yes, it was, of course, uh, it's the most important thing that a person is born again. But then it's just the beginning of a beautiful journey of uh, growing in the knowledge and in in love of God. Super. I really want to ask about your transition from becoming born again to Mm -hmm. actually going into ministry. But I have to be mindful of our time, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we're going to skip over that part. I want to ask you about ministry in your part of the world. The Czech Republic, for instance, we know is hard ground. I think the Slovaks are a little bit more open. But, Kotka, why don't you speak to that? Why do you think that it's so difficult to for the gospel to get a foothold in the Czech Republic? And are you seeing some encouraging signs? And if you are, what are they? Thank you. So, yeah, the Czech Republic is mostly atheistic and agnostic country. It is estimated that there is uh, about uh, uh, 0.5% of evangelical Christians. I have to say that from my own experience, it takes very long for people to trust us, people, uh, other people, but maybe also to trust God. I don't know exactly why is that. Uh, Some people think uh, that it's also partly because of our history, because first, uh, as far as I know, I'm not a historian, but our our country was mostly Protestant till uh, the Battle on the White Mountain, which happened in 1721. And then because uh, Catholic nobility won the battle, basically Protestants were expelled out of the country. And it is said that uh, because also uh, much of nobility were Protestants, Uh, much of uh, intelligence, uh, like these people were expelled uh, out of the country, and God used it because then Moravian Brethren and and this uh, mission mission movement started, uh, so uh, God used it for good. But also uh, we were betrayed by the Allies during the World War II and then communist era, So, so some people think that maybe these things also contributed to certain hardness of of, uh, people's hearts or maybe our spiritual heritage. My mom, for example, when I became a believer, she thought that I was in a cult because I uh, used to go to Catholic Church, but then I was part of Evangelical Church, and and for her it was not understandable uh, because the only church that is by white public accepted is still Roman Catholic Church in the Czech Republic. And she told me basically, uh, after many conversations we we uh, we had on this topic, you know, I was brought up during communism and we were taught that there is no God. For me to believe in God, uh, it sounds like a fairy tale. So I guess for the generation of my parents, uh, it was very natural not to believe in God. At the same time, because these people sought more than just this life on this earth, they often turned to occult or New Age uh, philosophy. Uh, My mom, for example, was was one of these people. She turned to New Age philosophy and she read books about life after death and she even uh, tried some 
magic practices. I was partly part of that. There's so many things I want to talk about. You both are in ministry. Gabi, why don't you tell us if you could give a message to American Christians. Let me put it let me put it this way. If there's something that you see in American Christianity that you wish you had, maybe an emphasis, maybe an advantage in your part of the world, let us know what it is. But if there's a way you could caution us or exhort mm-hmm. us or counsel us mm-hmm. as American Christians, we'd like to hear from you. Yes. That is a great question. Actually, I was given this question by my friends a few days ago. And what came to my mind is that uh, my friends, Americans, they, they noted that they hadn't realized how much difference there is between at least some parts of the states and Slovakia in the sense that Slovakia is religious very religious. Many people believe in God's existence, but they don't have a personal relationship with God. As far as I can understand, and I don't live in the States, so I might be wrong, but it seems that in general, there are people who claim to be Christian, who might know the right answers, who might know, actually, who might know the Bible quite well, but they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. So maybe my counsel, if I could be so brave, <laughs> would be don't assume that just someone who, who says the right answers and goes to church and reads their Bible and prays is a Christian, but ask questions, something like, who is Jesus for you today? Would you say that you love Jesus? Would you say that you are close to him? Uh, Don't let the people, maybe don't be fooled by the people or by by people's behavior, but uh, pray, pray for the Spirit to guide you and to give you good questions to maybe challenge them in their thinking whether they really have uh, eternal life. So maybe don't assume just by words and actions, but ask questions and, and go to the gospel. I think we really need your wisdom, and I just wish we had more time for it. Tell us the name of your ministry. Give us a website. Let us know how we can know more about what the two of you do as missionaries to your own country. Yeah, we are called In Life, In-Life, L-I-F-E, and our website is in in-life.org in-life.org And you have an English language platform. We do. The website is also in English, but we also have Facebook accounts, uh, which are just in life or in life Praha, in life Bratislava, and so on. Also Instagram accounts. If you wish to learn more, you can always email us at office. O-F-F-I-C-E at in-life.org Well, it's been a delight to be with you today. We hope you'll come back as soon as you can and stay as long as you can. So God bless you both in your important ministry in Central and Eastern Europe. God bless you too. Thank you, Ronnie. Thank Thank you, you, Ronnie. Thank you for listening to Mid-South Viewpoint today. I'm Ronnie Stevens standing in for Byron Tyler. Have a great day.